Hello everyone, welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Alexis Clark, and if this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone both in and out of the field of public health. Today I am joined by Aaron Willits, outgoing administrative fellow for the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, and Ryan Rasmussen, outgoing administrative fellow for the University of Iowa Physicians Group. Welcome to the show, Aaron and Ryan. Thank you so much for being here. Before we begin, I thought it would be a good idea to share what an administrative fellowship is for those listeners that may not know. So an administrative fellowship is a period of training following formal graduate education that typically lasts 12 to 24 months. The objective is to provide students with an opportunity to learn about the field through direct exposure and hands-on experience as defined by the Association of University Programs in Health Administration. Now, let's dive into our discussion with Aaron and Ryan on their experience as administrative fellows. So, Aaron, what did your career path look like prior to being an administrative fellow? Yeah, so I got my undergraduate education from the University of Iowa in child life. So I was a child life specialist to work clinically for six years prior to um, applying for my administrative fellowship position. Most people probably don't know what child life specialists are. So they are specifically trained individuals to help support the unique needs of pediatric patients in the the medical setting. So helping with procedures, helping with diagnosis, education, end of life scenarios, really anything that causes stress to kids in the hospital was, you know, my, my area of work. And so was thankful enough to do that at Texas Children's in Houston, at Peyton Manning Children's in Indianapolis, and then most recently here at um, the Said Family Children's Hospital. So yeah, was able to do that, got a master's degree in healthcare administration, and then became a fellow. So that's a little bit about my background. Very cool. Ryan? I'm on the similar lines of a non-traditional fellow, kind of like Aaron. I didn't go straight from my master's, or I didn't go straight from my undergrad to my master's to my fellowship. I, I did my undergraduate at uh, Central College in Pella, Iowa, and got a sociology degree thinking I was going to do uh, school counseling. Ended up moving to Iowa City several years later. Didn't really know what I was going to do. Got into the revenue cycle in the emergency department. Worked as like a rep down there for uh, six months or two two years and then transitioned into a uh, coordinator for another year. So I was down there for about three and a half years and then moved on and got my MBA and got the fellowship shortly after that. So since you both took, sometimes someone would say non-traditional routes to get to your positions, what would you say was beneficial for having that work experience prior to going into a master's program and prior to the fellowship? Yeah, I mean, for myself, I was able to get some you know, real life experience in the ER and working with the revenue cycle, which is something that I thought benefited me a lot going into my fellowship. And then I had some background with supervising people, which I would really, you know, something that I think everybody should do eventually. It's quite the experience doing doing that. So that brought a lot of, was able to get me to where I wanted to go in my fellowship there. 
Yeah, I would agree. And I think the other, the big thing for me was understanding what healthcare is like at the point of care delivery. And I think that that's well something that a lot of administrators lack. But early careers who, you know, take a, would take a traditional fellowship route, maybe wouldn't have that insight and that experience. And I would like to think that that made me, helps me be successful in my fellowship and will help me be successful as a, as a future leader in healthcare is that understanding what it's like when things kind of come down the chain and being that person at the, at the point of care, but also understanding that you really have to value those people because that's what that's what the people boots on the ground are what make this place run and help us fulfill our mission every day and so I, I just have a lot of respect for our clinicians being someone that did that work yeah I think it's interesting that you mentioned being having boots on the ground in my internship right now what my preceptor had mentioned uh, having her clinical background as her her safeguard and she asked me you know why I don't have a clinical background so what's my plan with that and I you know, I think me being a traditional MHA right after undergrad, I think it's important that you're willing to learn, even if you don't have that that experience. So it's good to see, you know, you both have different experiences that has that you've been able to relate to what you guys are doing now, ultimately. So, Ryan, can you talk about what a typical day as a fellow for UIP, what did that look like? It's a really good question. I don't think there is a typical day in my in my job, what I was doing. I wrote down a couple of the things that I've done. So working with the budget, our occupational health team and the providers and doing a little provider relations and employer relations with them. I worked with our health ventures team and HR initiatives. I did. I assisted in some of our acquisitions, TAing, which was a blast, and then <laughs> COVID testing, and then the COVID vaccine clinic. So those are just a couple of the things that I worked on, but I would say every day was different. I never worked on the same project for probably more than a couple hours sometimes. It always seemed to transition on and on. Yeah, Aaron, what about you? I would echo the comment of no day is really typical, which I think is what's so great about fellowships and honestly healthcare in general is you don't really have a prescriptive day every single day. So I, I really love that. I think I know we'll talk about this later, but just a really unique year given the pandemic. And, you know, as our organization was in times of crisis, I think that my day looked different. So, you know, working with a lot of our department administrators across the organization to track data and metrics of, you know, importance to the CEO and of the executive team, really getting to participate in some high level meetings and things of that nature to get exposure. So it's been a wild ride, but no day was really the same, which I think is what makes, you know, healthcare so great. Yeah. That, that is interesting, and we will t- talk about COVID later. So since we kind of talked about this earlier, but you both come from different backgrounds. Erin, what was the most surprising aspect of healthcare administration specifically to you? Yeah, I, th- I think there's some things about UIHC specifically that were surprising to me. Um, but when I think about it, when you get to the administrative level, you really have to look at the big picture. When you're in my clinical experience, you know, you're focused on your job, your day, that moment, and what the, what the work you do to impact the patient. But when you work in health administration, you have to think about the whole picture. And so at an institution as large as ours, it's really was eye-opening to me the ripple effects of the decisions that are made. So we have a three-part mission in, you know, clinical care research and education. And so when really big decisions are made, those, those you know, cascade down through a variety of areas of our enterprise. And so I think that it was really eye-opening to me that a decision is not a decision. I mean, it is, but there are so many other components that go into it that, you know, one decision can change or impact, you know, 10, 15 plus different areas of care. And so I think that, I don't know, our administrators have really big jobs. And I think that I always knew that, but it was surprising to me to really be immersed in that culture. 
Yeah, Ryan, do you have yeah. thoughts? I mean, I agree with everything Aaron said there. It's it's interesting bringing everybody to the table when we're trying to make a decision. You know, the providers, the nurses, the LPNs, everybody kind of comes to the table on those. But I would say for me, the biggest surprise is the pace of healthcare administration. I thought it was going to be fairly boring, crunching numbers, bringing in. I don't. I didn't know what I wanted to expect going into my fellowship, <laughs> but. Uh, working in the emergency department prior to that, there was, I mean, everything was fast. Everything was fast. Very similar in my fellowship, something that really surprised me. You know, you can move really fast at a healthcare administration. For example, I was eating breakfast at 8, and we decided we needed to pop up a COVID clinic at Holiday Road outside by the Walmart in Coralville that day. And so we were calling trailers to see if we could get a trailer out there and what kind of staff were available. So pace was very surprising to me. Yeah, I think even even just being immersed in a new in a new aspect of healthcare can be intimidating and fast paced and mm-hmm. it's it's good to see that you both are still here with us. Uh, <laughs> still made it through. So Agreed. just squeaked by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So oftentimes we hear people say, what's your why in healthcare or finding your why? And that may be the most important thing we could implore our listeners to do is to find your why about anything, life in general. Ryan, can you discuss your why? Why healthcare? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I kind of fell into healthcare, so I didn't have a why going into it necessarily, but I really, you know, drew that really got a passion for the patients and the best outcome that we can do for our patients. I think overall, you know, the the money and the budget, and the, that's one side of healthcare, but the main side and what our priority should be is our patients. And so I've really, especially when I was working in the ED side by side with a lot of these patients, it, it makes a lot of difference and you can really, really get that heartstrings to, to our patients. And so I would say our patients for sure. Aaron. What's, what's your why? Yeah, I think my why for why I started and why I stayed are two different things. So I initially got into healthcare. You know, you have family experiences or what have you, you know, friends with childhood cancer. And I was like, wow, like I want to be the human that is in healthcare helping these patients. And that got me into peds and why I loved peds. Similar to Ryan's Ryan's point, it's it's amazing the gratitude that you feel. And it's very humbling that these families, you know, allow us to provide them medical care. I would say my why for healthcare administration is a little different. And I think seeing, knowing those experiences that it's patients and families deserve really high quality, equitable medical care. And I think that something that I'm really passionate about now and will be in the future is it starts with our leadership team and ensuring that that happens. And so working for really high caliber organizations that embody their mission of doing the right thing for patients. And I think that it's really easy to get lost in a variety of contributing prior competing, excuse me, prior when it comes to running a business because healthcare is a business. But I think my mission and my why is to center it back to the patient, similar to what Ryan had said, they deserve really high quality care. And I think it's our job to ensure that they get it. Yeah, absolutely. Transitioning to overcoming barriers, COVID-19 has been at the forefront of any institution, whether that's healthcare or non. What has been the most difficult aspect of trying to learn and train during COVID-19? Yeah, I think it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. I was, you know, working clinically when the pandemic first started and I was like, what in the world is this going to be like? But our leadership team was very much present and in person and, you know, 
grinding out and really trying to keep this place running and keep our our patients and our employees safe. And so for me, I think the hardest part was it was like drinking from a fire hose. It was like everything was, to Ryan's point, like very fast paced at baseline, but wow, like everything was happening. Everything was an emergency. Everything was highest priority. And so when you're trying to learn and be a sponge, but then everything is just happening so quickly, I just think that there was a lot to learn and very little time to do it. And so I think that it was just an overload of information. I don't feel like my experience was hindered at all by the pandemic. I think that I was still able to get a fantastic experience and if not a better experience than, you know, prior fellows because you know, hopefully I don't ever have to lead in a pandemic ever again, but I'm sure things like this will happen and it's been a great experience. Yeah, Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I think, uh, again, I agree with a lot of Aaron's points. I mean, drinking from the fire hose is quite the, <laughs> quite the uh, analogy, but I do, I do agree. I would say for me, UIP works on a lot of the outpatient side of things, so it was a lot more virtual and that was very challenging at first. I met a lot of our team towards the end of my fellowship, the last six months in person. You know, I, I talked to him a lot over <laughs> Zoom and Skype and everything in between. But I would say that was very challenging. Just getting to know people via Zoom and Skype is not the easiest thing. And I think a lot of what we do is getting to know people and how they act and, and how their leadership styles are. So that was very challenging at first, but uh, came a long way. And I, I agree with Aaron. I don't think I would have had it in any other way, honestly. I just... And I couldn't imagine it any other way. I feel like the experience was one of a kind and I appreciated every second of it. So That's great. So you both mentioned how fast-paced decisions were being made. And traditionally, academic medical centers are kind of known for taking a long time to make a decision or, you know, make a change. So since you got since we are slowly getting back to what some may call normal. Have you noticed a big shift in the length of decision time it's taking to make decisions? Or or is it do you think we're heading towards a new, maybe quicker paced healthcare administration system versus not as fast as COVID, but maybe not as slow as pre-COVID? It's a great question. I don't know if I could answer that fully right now. Just knowing that we're still, I mean, still kind of at the end of the like quote unquote pandemic and we're getting towards the, you know, vaccine rollouts and all that. So I would say we still move very fast, especially on UIPs. UIPs timeline, we're moving very fast, but I think it's to be determined. I'd, I'd love to say that we're going to continue doing that because I think it's great for our patients to change. Our patients are changing, you know, the culture in, in Iowa, Iowa City, uh, the surrounding areas is changing. So just changing with the times I think is going to be really important. And I hope we can keep up as we move on here. Yeah, I agree. And making decisions in a time of crisis, I mean, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, our, our staff were in crisis, our community was in crisis. So you had no choice but to move fast. And our leadership team, you know, did an incredible job expediting processes and, and being very swift in decision making. I just think that we have a really fast paced leadership team. And I think that they're highly motivated and they're excited and determined and driven to get the work done and to get it done right and in, in, in a reasonable time frame. So I, I agree. I think it's too easy too early to tell, but I don't know. This leadership team is 
is a quick team, so I can see it just continuing. I mean, I don't know any other way either. I was talking about <laughs> so the, true. like we came in fast and I've ended fast, so I don't really know another way. So I, uh, you know, if this is how it's going to keep going, then I think that's good. Yeah, I totally agree. Don't know any different. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And so would you both say the 12 months of your fellowship went so, super quick? Yeah, some days felt longer than others. Some weeks felt longer than others. But I would say looking back now, it seems crazy. We were just joking in here about my photo, about just how much it seems like a year ago, getting a new badge and everything just seems crazy to me. Any uh, more gray hair or? Oh, probably. <laughs> I don't see any. <laughs> I feel like it went pretty fast. I mean, fast and slow at the same time. There were yeah. weeks that were really, really hard weeks yeah. and definitely drug on, especially during the surge. And mm-hmm. these winter months were really challenging. But I think anytime you look retrospectively, it, it feels like it went fast. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, if you had to pick one thing, what would you peg as the most rewarding experience of your fellowship? I'd for sure say the vaccine clinic, being able to have somewhat of a leadership role out there and talking with patients and talking with staff. Our staff, I mean, Aaron mentioned it, was just go, go, go nonstop. And time seemed to go a lot slower out there, which was really nice because you were able to experience everything, you know, how the patients were feeling. You, We had patients in tears. They were so happy. And, and staff in tears, they were so happy. It was uh it was life-changing, honestly, just being a part of something like that. So that was easily my most rewarding experience. Yeah, my most rewarding, yet probably most challenging. So Ryan got to be really integrated in the patient vaccine clinic, whereas my I was very involved in our employee vaccination clinic. So my colleague John and I were responsible for scheduling our 11,000 plus employees to be vaccinated and doing all the data analytics and things surrounding that. So met with employees who were very excited to receive their vaccine, those who were frustrated that they weren't getting it sooner, you know, collaborating with our University of Iowa partners across the river to get their respective employees who fell into those high-risk categories vaccinated. So to Ryan's point, definitely like a life-changing, really rewarding experience, also like the most challenging thing I've ever done. And so I think that just learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about how people operate under stress. I honestly think that was probably like my biggest takeaway is how to lead people and how to get people to come around to to ideas and concepts when they're just in places of stress and fear. And people really were in places of stress and fear. And so invaluable experiences that I wouldn't trade, but challenging and rewarding all at the same time. Do you, since you were the employee vaccine queen, for lack of better <laughs> terms, what's what's the percentage of UI healthcare employees vaccinated? Is it a large percentage? Yeah, I think it's upwards of 90 plus percent. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah. So we are creeping up on administrative fellowship recruiting season. Aaron, do you have a piece of advice for those people that are interested in fellowships or maybe not interested in fellowships? So, yeah, I have some advice, I think, for those interested in fellowships and, you know, specifically the application process. I think it's really, really important to be very, to be genuine and to be yourself. And I think that so much of a fellowship and finding a fellowship is something that's, it needs to be a good fit for you. And it's really hard to find things that are a good fit if you're not being genuine throughout the process. And so I would just really encourage students to to be genuine, to really share what they're passionate about, why, why they're interested in healthcare, and 
you're really interviewing, you know, these organizations as much as they're interviewing you. So I think finding a good fit, finding someone whose values align with yours, finding someone who's willing to invest in you and help you achieve your goals is is really important. And like I said, it's hard to do that when you're not genuine. On the flip side of that, would encourage those who aren't successful in the fellowship process or those who don't want to seek a fellowship, that that's perfectly okay. And I think that, I think that Ryan and I would have, you know, I think the, I won't speak for Ryan, but my fellowship experience definitely helped, you know, advance my career in more ways than one. I would like to think that I could, I would still have been a successful leader in healthcare if I took a different path. And I just don't want folks to feel like the fellowship option is the only option because, you know, we have so many great MHA programs across this country and especially at the University of Iowa and and you folks are educated and prepared. And I don't want people to get stuck in the mindset of that. The fellowship route is the only route. Yeah, I I, I like that. I like that you're imploring people to explore all options. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, great points, Karen. But I would say uh, definitely don't give up. I had six no's and one yes. So I didn't have my pick at where exactly I wanted to go. I, I mean, I picked my fellowships of what I applied for, but got the opportunity with UIP and very grateful for that, but got a lot of no's. So don't, don't give up on that. And then similar to Aaron's, you know, your story doesn't end with your fellowship. So, or getting a fellowship. So don't feel like if you didn't get a fellowship that you had to get one, it's a great opportunity to learn. And I wouldn't, like I mentioned before, wouldn't have traded it for the world, but there are a lot of opportunities out there and, you know, you're going to find your fit. So uh, don't give up and don't feel like it has to end with a fellowship. Yeah, that that's great. Great advice as well. So the last question we like to ask on From the Front Row is a good question. Ryan, it is, what is one thing you thought you knew but were later wrong about? And I, it, this can be any aspect of your life. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be healthcare related, but it's okay if it is. Jeez, I'd say everything. <laughs> I would say everything about my... If I think about my fellowship, it's everything. I don't know. Uh, I think I have more, like, advice on this. Yeah. I never really went into my fellowship knowing anything. Like, I was the go-to. I went in learning a lot. You know, I'm speaking specifically about the fellowship, but it's a great opportunity to make mistakes and a safe environment with a leader that's going to kind of point you in the right direction. So I'd say be prepared to learn. But in my own life, similar, if you're not married, you'll figure it out fast, that you'll learn fast. So I'm wrong about everything there too. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, they say happy wife, happy life. Yeah, right. Exactly. 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 You know, uh, Aaron, what is one thing you thought you knew, but were later wrong about? Yeah, kind of twofold. I think that it's always really entertaining to me when people ask you like early in your fellowship or even as an early career, it's like, oh, what do you want to like, what do you want to do? And I think anyone who feels like they know what they want to do, like they probably will change their mind. And so I always thought you think you know what you want, but then you get immersed in so many things and you're like, I had no idea about this whole other world of things that were out there. And so would encourage people to be open-minded, but I laugh, you know, working with our team here when I was asked those questions, I was like, I don't know anything but finance. Like, I don't need to know that. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I don't. Okay. I'm so wrong. You have to 
finance touches everything. You have to be very savvy in finance to succeed at anything else in healthcare. And so that's my thing. And I've grown to love it, honestly. Like this year, I was like, there's no way. And at the end, I'm like, I don't know. I could I could see a career in finance. I mean, I would have a ton of learning to do. But nonetheless, I think people get really narrow-minded and like, I'm never going to do that. I have zero interest. But healthcare, it's a system and everything is very interdependent. So I think there's a lot of value in, in being balanced. But finance is the joke with, you know, my group of colleagues for me. Yes. I'm not going to comment on my finance opinion. <laughs> Ryan was my TA for a whole year, so I'm just going to leave that for off the off the record. But nonetheless, I want to thank you both for being willing to meet with me on From the Front Row and sharing your insight and experiences with the listeners. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. us. Yeah. That's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Aaron and Ryan for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted, written, edited, and produced by Alexis Clark. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues. Our team can be reached at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep learning.